This is Akafe. Laura Marie and Jessica Marie proudly present A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, a podcast. Fair warning, everything the hosts say is explicit, full of spoilers and adult content and shall not be used against them. They have opinions. Let's try not to drag anyone for expressing themselves and just have fun for an hour. We all deserve it. This episode does not contain spoilers, but does mention Supernatural, One Tree Hill, The Mortal Instruments, and Dazed and Confused. For full list, please see show notes. There's also discussions surrounding gambling, self-harm, drug use, and gun violence. Hi, everybody, and welcome to A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, your weekly deep dive into the YA literature and fandoms that we love. I'm Laura Marie. And I am Jessica Marie. And today we are discussing the 1995 cult classic Empire Records. And I remember you had this poster in your dorm for at least two years, definitely freshman year, probably, yes, to sophomore. I can't remember. I don't know about junior and senior. Uh, yes. Yes. And you are saying that because I've moved dorms. Uh, yes, I kept them with me and I had them with me for a very long time. I had them in like a poster. All my posters, I had them in like a poster thing. Uh, but I love that you brought that up and that you remember that so like vividly that I had this poster in my dorm room when we were children, like when we were freshmen <laughs> in college. Because I'm going to ask you a question. I had another poster in there. Do you remember any of the other posters that I had in my dorm room. Wasn't it, why do I want to say Almost Famous? It was Almost Famous. There was another one. Do you remember? Was it Donnie Darko? It wasn't no. Donnie Darko, but it did start with a D. Oh, no, I don't remember. You do. Give me a clue. Give me a clue. Uh, I can't give you a clue. No. <laughs> I can't give you a clue without um, um, giving away my fun fact. I will say it's a 1993 movie and the poster had a purple background. Oh, 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 Jason Confused. Daisy, see, yeah, I told I you. Knew, I knew it. <laughs> I told you. I told you you knew it. I was pu- I was pulling up the, the poster to show you. Yes, Daisy and Confused. So I had Empire Records and Daisy and Confused and Almost Famous. Those were the three posters that I had in my dorm room. And um, here's a fun fact to start off the episode that uh, connects Daisy and Confused and Empire Records. In 1993, Daisy and Confused came out. Dazed and Confused starred Rory Cochran. Rory Cochran is Lucas in Empire Records. There is a cameo in Dazed and Confused by a very famous person. That very famous person is Renee Zellweger. So they were both in the same movie. It is a deeper connection than that, though. Are you ready for this? They were dating. They were dating during this movie. So, and I'll get to it at the very end, but there is a scene where you can absolutely tell. You can absolutely tell that they were dating during this movie and they met on Dazed and Confused. Uh, her cameo, I think, is uncredited and um, very brief. So, yeah, isn't that fun? I had no, I mean, granted, I haven't seen Dazed and Confused <laughs> to nobody's, you know, surprise. Um, but I had no idea. Is it the scene at the end of the Empire Records where they're dancing on the roof? Yeah. Yeah. They're like staring into each other's eyes and they're holding each other very close. So after, like, I learned this fun fact when I was a child, I was just like, 
I see it. Well, that just also goes to show, like, I know people are like, this is a job. I don't fall in love with my coworkers, blah, blah, blah. Don't, I don't fuck know your how- coworkers. Yeah. I just don't see how, how you have these scenes like these. And like, even, even, if, you know, any co, especially like romance, the actors, and they're just like, oh, we just do scenes to get really. You're going to tell me you have that chemistry and you're just friends? Like, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. But that's a whole different conversation. (laughs) So Empire Records, obviously, um, I'm going to set the scene for you because, Jess, I don't think you know this about me. As friends, we are always learning something new about each other. And that's just like so exciting. And one of the joys of long-term friendship. And it's not because you're keeping secrets like some people know. This is just it new, just like fun doesn't come up. No. <laughs> just like doesn't come up. So uh, something that just has never come up in our years of friendship is uh, the first time that I watched Empire Records. Uh, the first time that I watched Empire Records, it was one of those moments where like you're young. I'm not going to say what age I was, um, <laughs> but I was young, but I was driving, but I was young. And I was at my friend's house and we were all like sitting around her couch and like we were, you know, mm, and we were watching this movie. <laughs> and it, it was one of those instances where you're like, this movie is cool. Like it was one of those, like, I know that I'm not this cool, but I want to <laughs> be this cool. And like, you are with your found family friends watching a movie about like found family friends in like a really positive work environment. And you're just like that. I want that. That was what it was when I was young watching this. And uh, no, nobody that would listen to this show uh, was (laughs) present at that time. Uh, Yeah, nobody. uh, Yeah, nobody. It was uh, Addie for reference for you. (laughs) Addie was there. Uh, But it, it was just so much fun. And this movie, like, really, really holds a special place in my heart. Obviously, I've seen this a thousand times. I can quote this a million times. I've been celebrating Rex Manning Day forever, forever. For, I mean, obviously, you've watched this before. We had met. And I just remember, like, it was ingrained. You would quote this. You celebrate. I never understood the reference Till we watched it together in 2021. I'll, I say that date because this episode is coming out later. Um, and I had no, I, and you said, Oh, it's from, we'll get you to watch it. We'll get you. To, it was one of those bucket list movies that I was like, I'll get to it. Okay. It wasn't a priority for me because I didn't understand what it was about, even though. In that, like, when the movie came out, I obviously was way too young to watch it or even understand or grasp it. And even watching it now, it, it's so it's so interesting where I have to remember, okay, this is 95. Like, this is, you know, this is a whole different, like, how, you know, just how things are presented and done and it, it was fun. I could totally get why it's a cult classic. I get it now. I've watched it three times now. And I get it. Like, it's it gets better as you watch it, like most cult classics do. Yeah, it's so incredibly quotable. Why is this a cult classic? Because um, it fucking flopped at the theater uh, because they only released it in 87 theaters. In the two weeks that it was released, it only made... $250,000, which I also think it says something because at least now when movies aren't doing, and granted, like there's just been a crazy increase with movie theater prices. Um, 
sometimes things don't do well because there's just so much content, not enough time to consume it. Like you have all these choices and you have streaming, you have all different platforms. In 95, you didn't have that. All you had was the theaters. So the fact that even this is all people had and it still didn't, still do, didn't do well. well. I'm so like, oh goodness. But it's okay. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. Um, characters. Do you have do you have a character rundown? You know I do. So um no particular order. I'm not gonna be like here's the um, you know the main character or anything. You have Corey who is played by Liv Tyler. You have Gina who's played by Renee, Renee Zellweger. You have Rex Manning himself who is played by Max, Max Caulfield. Caulfield. And I only know him because of Grease Grease too. Too. <laughs> Um you have Jane who is played by Debbie Mazer who I love. She plays um, I'm assuming Rex's publicist, like her, yeah. her, his rep. Um, you have Joe, the record store owner. Of course, we have Lucas. You have Mark with a K because he wants to spell his band Mark with a C. For that, <laughs> that psychedelic then, trip thing. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, and then you have, quote unquote, Warren ba- Beatty as the teenager who is, he plays, he shoplifts. Gets caught, and then they're asking for his name, and he gave him Warren. Then everybody refers to him as Warren, and he gets pissed that everybody's calling him by the name he told them he was. Those are, like, pretty much the characters that, more or less... Oh, wait, I missed one. Didn't I? Who's who's the best friend? AJ. Yeah, there's AJ, and then Eddie and Burko are also there. And Deb. Did you mention Deb? Oh, no. How did I forget Deb? Deb is so... I love Deb. Yes. So Deb. Oh, my gosh. Robin. Oh, my goodness. Um, This cast is stacked. This cast is stacked. Um, Looking at it now, you're just like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Really? Really? But yes. But yes. Um, Also, uh, Coyote Shivers is in this, which I have a fun fact about that, too. Uh, Okay. Let's let's start talking about this amazing movie. So we don't want to ramble. Um... Jess, where did you watch this? Just for reference. Oh, I watched it on Apple. It was only available. I couldn't find it on Hulu. I couldn't find it on any of the networks. Then it wanted, I guess it's whatever deals are had. Like it's only streaming on stars. So it couldn't mm-hmm. even find it on Prime. So I just rented it on Apple TV. I streamed it on stars. I have like four different copies of this movie on DVD. I think I have one on Blu-ray. I'm not sure. Um, so the version that I watched on streaming, just because that was like the easiest thing that I could do, is not the version that I grew up with. So uh, there are scenes that I grew up with that are not in this streaming version, which is like so unfortunate. Um, so there is like a director's cut and then there is just like an extended version. Um, both of those have their pros and cons. Um, in like, I, I don't remember specifically, but like in one, a lot of the quotes, quotable like scenes are taken out. Like in another, it's just like kind of weird and it doesn't make sense. Um, so there is, there are scenes that I might reference that aren't in here. So if that happens, I'm sorry. Uh, but yeah, this is not the version that I grew up watching. But uh, the yellow font, the yellow font tells me immediately these credits tell me it's a it's a 90s movie. And I love that so much. It's just like a perfect um, time capsule. When you see that, you're just like, oh, I know exactly when this was filmed. Well, it's funny because you, it, it was like when I watched Practical Magic or any of our other movies that we've discussed, sometimes I'll be like, oh my gosh, this movie is so old. Look how gritty the quality is. And it's not, like, it's not, it's just our, you know, technology has changed since, but it's the font that really gives it away. 
Yeah, the font gives it away. And I don't know if it was just the settings on like my TV, but this looked very saturated to me. So the Mm -hmm. colors were like very rich. So maybe that was just like me, but I really enjoyed that. So just throwing that out there. Uh, So this version opens with, um, you know, like Lucas and then we see Renee, uh, young Renee. I don't remember. Did you know that she was in this? Like she's on the poster, but like, did you really like know? I didn't know that she was in it in general. And then we watched it and I was like, okay. And then re-watching this, I completely forgot that she sang, even though we just talked about it in our Chicago episode where we, when people were, you know, making the comments of, They're Hello. so shocked. Yeah. Like so shocked that she could sing. It, it was just like one of those things. I remember talking about it and loving it in Chicago and everything, but then I forgot like months later. <laughs> It's just, just like, where my oh. head was in one year, out the other, apparently, in the last year. But okay. So we love it. We have baby Renee. Oh, my gosh. Baby Renee. And then, you know, we got Lucas. So what is the plot of this movie? The plot is we have an indie music store, Empire Records, and Joe, the owner, wants to make an offer to Mitch to buy the store because Mitch is optioning it for, for a franchise for Music Town, which will uh, push Joe, who works there, and all of his employees out. And we don't want that to happen. Damn the man. Save the empire. Uh, So to facilitate that happening, (laughs) Lucas, who is finally trusted to close the store, fucks it up, takes the $9,000, which like today is not a lot of money. But like, yeah, I definitely thought like $9,000 to to own your own store. Yeah, like option your own store. That was so crazy. And I understand that what comes with, you know, he gambles the money. He wins the first time. I understand that gambling is an addiction, one that I don't partake in because I know myself. I have gambled before and I pretend, I'm like, oh, this is real money. I need to yeah. slow my roll because I just play till I lose. And if he just walked away when he he won, he could have been like, here's your 9000 yeah. and some. But he didn't as has the chance that you're taking a gamble. It's in the word. And that doesn't happen. No, he and he loses it all. It all. And, he, and he goes to Atlantic City. So that gives us the setting, which is nice. Uh, so we have Atlantic City. So like, okay, we know exactly where that is on the map. Uh, so Empire Records is set in Delaware. So that's nice. Um, very weird quotable line that I want to point out that I will reference later is uh, when the woman leans on Lucas and she's like, baby, you are sex. It's a weird line. I will reference it later. Okay, moving on. Lucas has lost everything. Uh, but then we have like the store and like the opening of the store because he's he falls asleep on his motorcycle and he runs into AJ um, and Mark and they tell him what happens and then Joe comes. It's a big it's a big thing. I just love it so much. I cannot overemphasize how much I wanted to work in a place like this. Like just the the opening of the store, the setting, like just AJ and Mark are so cool looking, right? Like they're the cool kids, even though they're not really like really in the scheme of things, like in high school, they wouldn't be the popular like. I saw a quote in something that I read that they called this the breakfast club basically like the 90s version of the breakfast club taking place in a record store yeah but i thought all those kids are cool in the breakfast club too <laughs> oh my god they're just they're just the best um joe is the best boss i'm going to put that out there right now joe's the best boss i think all bosses should kind of strive to be like joe right 
And yeah. that that should we should we should just go there. How he didn't like strangle him immediately, but he, but right? He also, like, he also would did what I have done in the past, where I I just constantly bring it up in every single thing. Like I know it's not healthy. I totally understand. I recognize <laughs> that in myself, but I would be the same way. Oh yeah, this wouldn't be the case. But this is what you did. This wouldn't be. Oh, nope. Look at look at your new terms and conditions, people. You're new now employees. We want to be here if you like I that's that's me. I know that's not the healthiest thing. Let me just <laughs> say that. I recognize that. And I've never done it in my friendships. Um, I've totally done it in a romantic relationship. You know, that's fine. That's fine. There's no judgment here. Absolutely no judgment here. Um, it's Rex Manning Day. We should know this. Rex Manning Day is April 8th. Just, you know, throwing it out there. Um, the music, the soundtrack did more money than the movie, which is crazy. But uh, the, and I'll bring it up later, but um, the songs that are featured in the movie, um, there's only 16, but there are 50. There's only 16 on the soundtrack. There are 50 songs, more or less, in the movie. All so, I can think, well, some of the songs are just so just iconic. They're yes. still played on, you know, it's played today. And as I was listening to, like, watching it the second time around, all I could think of was how much that would have, like, how much would it would have cost for licensing to put into the, like, I just kept thinking about the licensing costs. Yeah, insane, insane. But they did it. It's amazing. Uh, we've There's a lot of, like, zooms, uh, just like the way that the filmmaker did it. It's just a lot of zooms. And so, like, Hey Joe, when the Hey Joe, like, song starts playing, and then, like, it's a zoom on Joe. I just love it so much. I was like, God damn it, Lucas! So good. Uh, something that nobody ever talks about when they mention this movie is um, Renee's red car when she picks up Liv Tyler. I fucking love that car. It's like it's iconic, right? Like it's that's that's one of those cars. It's like in One Tree Hill. Um, Hillary Burton, Hillary Burton's character Peyton has a black comet, um, and it's convertible, and I love it. And I've always wanted that. It's just like when you talk about you know Dean's Impala for Supernat. There are certain cars that are just like that. Feels like that's what it would be so cool. Even though I know myself, I'm not good with a big. A big car. I like cute little compact car. Um, but that doesn't stop me from thinking that's so badass. Uh, I'm writing a note so I don't forget it. Um, there are two other cars that have shaped me in my life. One of them is from Roswell, uh, the the OG 90s TV show Roswell. It was the red uh, Wrangler. I really love that. And another one um, was the purple 1970-something car from Overnight Delivery, an underrated movie with Paul Rudd and Reese Witherspoon, which I love Always so much. forget about that movie till you bring it up. It is so good. It's so good. But she has like a purple car, and I love that. Um, bringing us back to Empire Records, you mentioned One Tree Hill. Jess, I'm going to hit you with a fucking fact that's going to blow your mind. This movie was filmed in the same town <gasps> as One Tree Hill. Ah, I'm so excited. That is such yes. a good fun fact. You know, that's my favorite show. Yes. Filmed in the same town and the director and like studio and whatever um, ha- rented out a row of beach houses for the uh, cast. So they all lived like next door to each other. They all bonded while they were on set and they were all like in Wilmington. And um, yeah, isn't that? And yeah, so there's a connection. 
And I, I didn't know that detail. I knew that they had bond, and this was what was interesting that I thought they all bonded for a month before even filming. They were, you know, they were, it was really just bonding and rehearsals, like nothing, oh, you know, get to set. This is your first time meeting and, you know, go. Um, it, like how nice. So it was like genuine friendships. It's not just when they get to set and it's one, two, three action. It's just, they they really formed relationships prior. So you can see how that transfers onto screen too. Yes. Oh my God. Oh my God. You you absolutely can. Hi, Laura Marie popping in just with a fun fact. Toby Maguire was cast in this movie and he was flown out to Wilmington and did spend some time with the cast and bonding. However, he was very aimless and kind of creeped the cast out a little bit and ended up doing psychedelic mushrooms and ended up eating cereal in the basement of the director's house. And they had a very long conversation and the director was basically like, do you want to be here? And Toby was like, no. And the director was like, "Okay, why don't you go back to Hollywood and just like write a screenplay and like figure your life out? So Toby was not in Empire Records at all. He was later in the Ice Storm and of course, Spider-Man. So he did not suffer from not being cast in this movie. Movie, but it is a very fun fact to imagine Tobey Maguire on mushrooms aimlessly wandering around the beach town. Very fun stuff. And of course, while Renee and uh, I'm going to say, no, I need to say their names. Well, Gina and Corey, <laughs> well, Gina and Corey are in the car and they're driving and, and, uh, uh, Corey has her whole thing about how she's going to like offer herself to Rex Manning and that, that whole situation. It's like, um, uh, the music is like swelling and it's amazing and their hair is like blowing and the car is just perfect. Um, it is the perfect like nineties friendship kind of moment. I just love it so much. Um, but, but um, Corey's addicted to drugs, so she had stayed up all night and made cupcakes, and um, she is a virgin. But as you and I have always said, as we preach on Akafe, always meet your idols. So this is this is the perfect example of that. Always meet your idols because, like, why, why, why right. continue to love them if they are shit people, and you can confirm that. So always meet your idols, and she does, and it goes terribly. Spoiler alert. But, you know, and it's funny during that scene specifically because, of course, she's like, like, because here's the thing. She offered himself, herself. Then he goes, bet, does the thing she asked for and she freaked out, which, okay, fine. I get it. Like, there's no judgment there. I love that she goes up to the roof. The best friend, AJ, is like going to confess how he feels for Corey. I'm in, and she's like, and she's trying to create that boundary. Like, not right now. I'm having a bad day. Like, I'm really embarrassed. Can't, I can't deal with anything right now. So I, I love that she removed herself from the situation and just kind of had to, you know, compartmentalize for herself. And he kept pushing it and pushing it. And he's like, I'm just going to word vomit. And then she's like, really? This is not the time. I just offered myself to this, like, my celebrity crush. And part of me is also like, if that is your best friend, my best friends know who I would throw myself after if I had a chance, if I even thought that there was an opportunity. So I feel like he's a little in the dark about that. Oh, oh yeah. No, like, poor clueless AJ. Poor clueless <laughs> AJ. Uh, he, he just has like a soft spot in my heart, but I'll, I'll, I'll get to AJ. Oh, he's nice. <sighs> I have nothing against him, but I, it's like that. I posted that TikTok the other day where it was like, 
if you were offered a billion dollars to cheat, if you, if my significant other came home and be like, I love you so much. I didn't cheat on you for a billion. I'm our relationship is worth a billion dollars. That's my billion dollars now. (laughs) Why don't you go get it? AJ is complicated because I have like mixed feelings about AJ. Obviously, I love AJ, um, but I do think he's kind of a toxic nice guy. And I do, I do have that feeling about him because he does get very angry and he gets very jealous and he's very hurt and he does direct that in a gross way because he knows that like Deb and Corey don't get along. Like, like the nice guy, like I say nice guy in air quotes who say like, nice guys always finish last. And yeah, you know what girl, like, which I don't believe in that at all. But yeah. he, I see where you're going. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I can see that. But like he pulls himself out of it towards the end, but he does like wallow in that for a bit. So I have a complicated relationship with AJ. Uh, but he does like want to confess his love to 137. And of course, like in the fandom of Empire Records, like 137 is like the perfect time. Obviously, it's an excellent time. Uh, the opening, though, they open at 9 a.m. The opening with the M&Ms and the music and the, you know, the coffee making and like switching out the cash registers and like clocking in and like just all of that i was just like i want this so badly they all look so cool i would i would unalive somebody for Liv tyler's outfit oh right? yeah the outfit alone I, I, I we still talk about a lot Ooh. of the outfits from the 90s and that's absolutely one of them Oh, my God. Uh, and then Lucas, Lucas coming in. Uh, this whole movie is so quotable, but Lucas coming in, he's holding a Harris cup, which I find very funny, but it's full of all those like quarters and stuff. And then Joe like knocks it down and AJ starts gluing it. Uh, I, <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. I, I just it's just fantastic. He's like, Lucas, Joe, Lucas. It's it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Uh, I don't need I don't feel that I need to explain my art to you, Warren. We'll get there. Um, talk to me just about Deb. I, 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 you know, I've watched the craft before when we watched this last year, Empire Records, I didn't pick up on the fact that she was in the craft also watching it again. I go, Oh, it's so clear only because, you know, sometimes like actors look different and you don't put the connection together. I mean, perfect example. We, you shared a TikTok with me from the mortal instruments. I was like, what? What? Um, but I like her. I think out of all the characters, she, I like she feels kind of the realist and the most vulnerable and puts herself out there. I think it's gross that she didn't wash her hands after she went to the bathroom when she was talking to um, talking to Corey about like after yeah. Rex is being I was and I'm watching it and I'm watching it. And I was like, she's going to go. I know she's going to walk, not wash her hands, but it's the different new details that you pick up in your rewatches. Um, but I but I like her. I love that she kind of calls you know Corey out to make her feel a little bit better or she's dancing with aj to make him feel bad like i she has a big heart and i don't think a lot of people she has a wall up and i respect the hell out of that that she like she loves so deep and that's why she's so hurt and you even see joe at the beginning like she was just kind of doing her own thing and keeping to herself and joe just goes up to her and he goes you're doing a great job deb and like you see how much that moment meant to her. I think that's also just super relatable that, you know, you kind of keep people keep keep to themselves and 
it's so and that doesn't mean you love any less or have any less to give i think it was really special you didn't mention the connection that i thought you would uh that's why i was like letting you go with the craft and see if you're gonna say it this movie is the reason while she's wearing a wig in the craft she shot this uh in like one take obviously like live she really shaved her head that was really her reaction that was really all of it uh live on camera and they were all super nervous about it and the reason she did it is because the studio was going to fire her because they thought, they thought she, was she looked cute. too cute. So this bullshit. So she was like, fuck you. I'll show you. She came up with the idea herself. Mm-hmm. She came up with the idea. She was like, well, what if I shave my head? And they were like, what if you do? Queen status. Queen status. Uh, we have here a very, a very interesting approach to self-harm, right? Because yeah. uh, AJ notices right away. And AJ's like, what the fuck is this? What is this? Very confrontational right away. Uh, Deborah, what did you do? And Deborah's deflecting, deflecting, deflecting. And Lucas steps in. And Lucas is like, no, she's fine. She's amazing. She's in the store. We are all here. We are all here. Her being here in the store is a huge thing. This is a good thing that she's here today. Yeah. So yeah. he's like, AJ, chill. Chill. And then, and then we have the perfect, most quotable, not most quotable, but very quotable exchange between AJ and Lucas, which is like, uh, what's with you, man? Yesterday you were normal. Today you're like the karate kid. What's with you today? It's like, and what does Lucas say? Lucas says, what's with today, today? And like AJ's face, AJ's like, well, what, what is, is, is today? With today, today? Like, <laughs> Fuck, dude. Like, damn. Okay. I, <laughs> sometimes in this movie, especially with Mark, I was like, how God, I love Mark so under much. the influence is this kid with like, I mean, sometimes it's alluded to because like he's blatantly eating brownies. He has the band that is consumed. Like, I'm going to eat you. It's guar. Middle, yeah, that's a real, it, that's a real band. Oh, that is? That's I didn't know guar. that. They filmed that. This is interesting. You bring this up. So that's guar, a super famous like rock band. They are real, and they filmed that at a real concert. Uh, he got up on stage, he drank some Jägermeister with uh, with the bassist, and they filmed that and and during a concert uh, with the cameras and stuff. And the, the audience was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> and so they filmed it live during a concert and then left, and then they carried on with the concert. I love stuff like that because that's what Bradley Cooper did in A Star is Born. He just like got on stage randomly to like the whole Glastonbury Festival. It was just like, and then like, <laughs> it's amazing. It's so good. It's amazing. So, yes. Um, another fun fact that, uh, relates to this is that the studio, uh, you probably read this in one of the articles that you read too, but the studio was, was very much in a quote, co- cocaine quote unquote mentality and not in a, quote, marijuana, unquote, mentality. I didn't read that. Yeah. So they didn't want, so they censored a lot of it. So like Corey being on speed is like totally fine. But like the regular stuff that teenagers do, like swearing, there's almost no cussing here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you there's know, no drinking. There's not yeah. a lot of drinking. There's no drinking. There's not a lot. Well, at the end, but it's like a party situation. Yeah, uh, yeah there, they bring cakes and stuff. But. Yeah, there isn't a lot of like smoking or like pot smoking. And the brownies are like full of sugar. They're not like pot brownies, but we all know all of that, right? Um, but the studio was in very, it's quoted as like a cocaine mentality. So like Corey yeah. being on speed was totally fine for a PG-13 movie, but like teenagers smoking weed was like not, even though it's so clear that that's what they're doing. Is that because, 
again, the movie came out on the movie came out in ninety five. So we have to assume that production started in ninety three, ninety four at the latest. Ninety three, probably at the latest, because of just the way technology was then. You know, there was that whole like war on drugs, but the real war was on people who smoked pot. Yeah, I wonder if that's it. I, I mean, this is just like me thinking yeah, out like, loud like, from like thinking. what I know, like context of what I know. Yeah, like it. Because then if you think of the 90s and if you think of Wolf of Wall Street, like, yeah. you have an emphasis on the quaaludes and, like, uppers and everything, but nothing that, like, have, like, chill, man. Yeah. And this movie is very much, like, uh, okay. okay. We digress. Sorry. We, we digress. <laughs> we digress. Okay. We're sorry. We're sorry. We're sorry. Um, Gina and Deborah are frenemies. And I have another, I have another very fun that's probably going to make you watch it again um, connection for you. Uh, so when Gina, Deborah, and Corey are all like talking at the registers, and from that moment like on is when I actually kind of notice it. But there's a Daisy Confused sticker uh, on the register facing the camera um, every time that there's like a shot of the registers, and uh, sometimes Renee's in front of it, sometimes like you know uh, Mark's in front of it, like sometimes they're all in front of it, and it's just super fun, and it's just a little like nod like connection. Is it part of the and and I apologize because I didn't further look into the filmmakers. Are the filmmakers associated with this movie? Oh, okay, no, because you know, like how Ten Things I Hate About You and is are also the same filmmakers who work with. I think it was Legally Blonde, so I didn't know if there was a correlation with this and Days and Confused, aside from the talent knowing each other. Nope, not as far as I know. If somebody knows, please, please, you know, correct me, but. Uh, no, not as far as I know, but the frenemies between Gina and Deborah, I just love. I just love so much because they have such an interesting relationship, but they unite on the important things, right? right. It's like, don't fight, just rip. But that's usually how good, I say good, good enemies are. Like, I respect you. We both acknowledge we don't like each other, but we also understand that, like, push comes to shove and there's a bigger thing at play. Like, we'll, you know, camaraderie here. Yes, absolutely camaraderie here. Uh, One of my favorite, I have a lot of favorite, like, little scenes, but one of them is this one. It's when Eddie shows up and he gives, like, Marcus brownies and and Eddie's like, I made you a tape for educational purposes. And Mark's face falls. He's like, oh, my God, I have to learn something. And then they start talking about, like, how music is the glue of the world and how it really binds us all together together and like without this it would all fall fall apart and mark's just like dude did you hear about lucas like totally disregarding everything that he says he's like did you hear about lucas uh, and then we of course we have the i want your money uh store-wide song <laughs> i love i again like you know i have to get out of like my entertainment work brain to be like oh my god the licensing the licensing costs of the song especially when you know that they didn't even break the bank um but the songs are so good and and then you could see joe just like fucking losing his shit throwing things like he's like because at that point he doesn't like he just feels like he was at this alone and lucas is like i know better you know like anybody who's younger who's i don't say anybody because a lot of times people who are younger do have better ideas but in this situation lucas didn't know the whole picture and just thought i'm gonna do what i want and damn the man and you know save the empire all this stuff all the you know everything he's saying at the beginning of the movie yeah (laughs) and great love that passion that's not how the world works that's still not going to save this record store for me to own it to keep all y'all employed 
My favorite little thing that Gina says, she, she's like, the song goes out to our employee of the week, Lucas. It's like, oh, my God. Let's see. And this is where everybody <laughs> goes, you know, where you get the Lucas, Lucas. every time we refer. <laughs> yep. That's where. This that's the, where. This is where Lucas comes from, just like Laguna Beaches, where you get Stephen. Yep. This is Lucas. Yes. Uh, then we have the whole reveal of Music Town, right? So, like, uh, this was based on an employee from Tower Records and her, like, experience. Very fun. I, when I was growing up, related it to, like, Sam Goody. They were, like, the, 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 like, the store, right? Uh, in the mall. So you considered Music Town like Sam Goody? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, they were like the evil, like, you know, local, shop local was kind of like the thing. And they were like, fuck you, Sam Goody. Uh, so I, in my head, it was like, oh, Music Town is Sam Goody coming to take over, uh, you know, like our independent, like local music store. Fuck them. When they had the transparency to lay over, because keep in mind, this is all the before 90s, technology. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the transparency was laying over with the, the the music town transparency was laying over what the Empire Records you know would look like. I immediately thought of Virgin Records, which used to be in Times Square, and one used to be um, in Orlando. But I just remember if you can make if you bought a CD, if you got a chance to go to Virgin Records, you had to make a purchase, and it had to be of music. And I think it was usually a CD. Um, but it was just, that's what it felt like. I was like, oh, Virgin Records, take it over. Take it over. Take it over. Oh, my gosh. And and this is when Joe spells it out, right? He's like, uh, Joe, uh, I was going to make an offer to Mitch. He's going to make me a partner. I was going to buy him out. I was going to buy Empire. That was going to be the plan. But then, you know, Mr. Brilliant here fucked it up. He's like, um, oh, he has a quote. He's like, um, uh, let me spell it out for you. Uh, I'm the idiot. He's the screw up. Uh we're all losers. Like, welcome to Music Town. Uh, and then the music starts like infinity, infinity. I just love it so much. Um, Rex Manning. He's so creepy and he's so gross. And I love, like, he's so narcissistic and full of himself. And like, none of the good things. When you think of people that, you know, again, this goes to what, you know, we've said where it's like, always meet your idols. But then when you hear about the not so great situations, this is, Yep. The epitome of what those not so great situations are. It is just, oh my gosh. And of course, a video killed the radio store is playing, <laughs> which is uh, the music that is so t- tongue in cheek. It's so good. But also, like, uh, Jess, you and I have spent a lot of time in our life lined up to meet celebrities. So, like, this lineup, like, I felt them. I felt them so hard. <laughs> I love when you have, I love that he's going through the different types of people where he's like, oh, who should I? And she's like, I don't know. I have no idea who you are. My sister just yeah. asked me. That's yeah. like, you know, sometimes and we have done it for our friends. We're like, oh, can you please get this autograph? And that person might not mean a ton of, to you, but you know it will mean the world to your friends so you're like sure i'll go get that person's autograph for you um and then you have the other situation where she goes oh my god you used to be one of my favorite people and he goes well who is it now because yeah so, who's, who's your favorite well, singer who, now yeah she's like so it's much. still you and you could it's tell you. he's like he thinks he's on his he has put himself on his own pedestal and that's you've come a, a very far away, sir. Be, yeah, sir. Be, be glad that you have all of these people who still want to meet you after all of this time. Yes. Oh, my God. He'd do great on the con scene. He would. Max Caulfield? Absolutely, he would. Him and if, like, Rex Manning, like, if Rex Manning in that universe did a con. Absolutely. He would have killed it. 
Warren. Warren, our sweet shoplifter. Uh, I love the way that Lucas fucks with him. I love this whole scene. I love all of it. Um, he's just like, nice selection. That's a big coat you're wearing. Lots of, po- lots of pocket space. And he's like, the fat man walks alone. And Warren is like, what the fuck, dude? Like... And then the whole chasing of the shoplifter. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, Gina gets on the loudspeaker. It's all fantastic. Um, Renee as Gina, when she walks out of this bathroom in this apron, this is a perfect <laughs> Halloween costume that I have never I've seen never anybody seen do You're this. You're so right. I've never seen yeah. it. Yeah. So this is the perfect Halloween costume. Just a yellow apron that has like a generic, you could just like type or you just like type right or just like write it music town and if you want it at the end you could put like a like line through it uh it, it would be perfect but but gina comes out of that bathroom and she's like welcome to music town may i service you and it's just the apron just the and apron. her like boycott briefs not even like her not cheekies. even yeah and <laughs> it's so good you can it's see joe so joe's like god damn it he's like put some clothes on so gina, and get, get dressed <laughs> And you know Rex Manning, he's like, this is going to be a great day. This is Uh, like, you know, he's just like living his best life in that moment. And also he does the celebrity thing, the the, like charming and manipulative men thing that they do is uh, he went around and was introduced to everybody, right? And then Corey, who he identified as like a fan, right? Because she's like nervous and like, he remembered her name. And then yeah. called her by her name and like winked at her and was like, thank you so much, Corey. That means a lot to me. Like, and made it very personal. He made that like connection. And that's like, but it's how he did it because there are people. And I mean, they tell doctors to do that too. Or if you're trying to remember a name, they say but like, he's creepy guy. He's, he's creepy being guy. creepy because he, yeah. he knows. He knows. He knows. Uh, Something that's very quotable here is when uh, everybody is kind of talking to Warren. It's like, Warren, what are you doing? You know, like, how old are you? And he's like, he's a juvenile. <laughs> he's like, why don't you go shove him up your ass? And Lucas says the line, because it would hurt a lot, Warren. That is just one of those lines <laughs> that everybody says. It's just it's just one of those. Uh, and, and, of course, uh, Warren's song is Little Bastard. I really like it. Um Going back to Rex Manning and what you said, that he has an inflatable ego, he absolutely does because he doesn't like that pointy chair. He hates that pointy chair. He's like, fuck you. I don't like that chair. Um, and then he has this like whole whole situation with the fans and the singing and the fainting and the signing. Always meet your idols. Uh, but then we, we cut back to, and I'm just saying this because it's one of my favorite quotes, and I said it earlier, is uh, Warren is like, who glued all these quarters down? And of course, it's AJ. And he goes, I don't feel that I need to explain my art to you, Warren. I want that on a T-shirt with a um, like a, a shot of the the quarters and like the bucket. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's what I want. There's not a lot of merchandise for this at all. I don't like that. Uh, I'm going to hit you with a fun fact. Are you ready? Initially, this was supposed to be shot in like two days. Right. So it was supposed the to take the whole movie. No, no, no. Like the whole, well, well, I got, okay. The whole movie was supposed to take place over the course of two oh. days, like story okay. wise, story wise. Okay. But they cut over 40 minutes of this movie and condensed it into one day. And in doing so, cut out three characters. So, and I'm going to mention this again later. Um, but that is why are they in the episode? Are they in the versions that you've watched or no? Uh, sort of. They're they're like huh. one of the, one of them is like kind of in the background. You know, if you know who they are, you can kind of identify them. Um, but I'm bringing that 
up because uh, Burko, this is when we meet Burko. We've already like kind of met Eddie in passing, like, but because they cut out uh, 40 minutes and three characters, there's a lot of loose ends that kind of wrap up. There's loose ends with Jane. It's like, does Eddie like really, really work there? Does like Burko really work there? Like, who is Burko? Like, uh, we don't have a lot of their backstory because it was cut with with all of that extra time. Um, but I really, I really like Burko. Uh, he, that's a Coyote Shiver. He's the singer. Uh, he lied about his age. He was supposed to be in his teens. Uh, he is in his late twenties in this movie. Hey, if you don't hey, have to. It works, you, right? If it works, it works. It works. Uh, and we also have Mitch show up. Of course, Mitch is the the owner, the boss. Mitch is an asshole. Mitch wants it to be back to Beck's bath. And Bidet, <laughs> uh, he hates Empire Records. It was his deadbeat dad that turned it into a record store. And then uh, uh, Jane quits. <laughs> uh, Jane quits. And we have another fantastic musical montage, which is Joe playing drums. Joe is just trying to find some sort of outlet at this moment so he doesn't strangle those kids. That is literally what he's good. He's good. So I guess he's good. We know it. He's also very cute, you know, and like that sort of way. And so he seems to have been like, look, music is my passion. I want to make it my career. This is the trajectory it goes. And it's almost like he's playing as if I could have had this other sort of career trajectory. Because then when Debbie Mazur's character comes through, she seems to already have like a relationship with Joe. Like they've known each other. They've been on the scene. And it makes me think that, like, maybe they had a thing or maybe it was just, like, some flirtatious thing. I liked them together. She gets it. But she was also like, I'm not dealing with Rex's shit. Thank God he fucked up me, like, fucked this up so I can get pissed off enough to leave. I love it. I just love it so much. Uh, There's a gay joke in there that is, like, weird. They're talking about uh, Lucas says, like, Jane says that Rex's music tests well amongst adolescent males. And Lucas says, like, have you compared that to homosexuality in adolescent males? So it's like a weird under underhanded gay joke that we are pointing out. AJ practicing what to say to Corey on the roof. First of all, I love that. I love that AJ is like some secret electrician <laughs> that we just don't know about. He's always up there trying to fix <laughs> the roof. Like, how does fix- he know how to do? He's an artist. <laughs> like he doesn't know maybe how to do that. Maybe he does art, and maybe he has like maybe it's like, like the lama, and he does like art installation through light. Oh, so fucking funny! I love that he's up there. His hands are shaking. Um, all of those things that he says, you make me feel like a bath. You're like um ice cream, French vanilla ice cream. All of that is improv. He made all of that up. It's just. It's just so sweet. I just love him. I love him so much. I also love this afternoon lull that they have. It's like one o'clock, right? It's one thirty-seven. He's about to tell her that he loves her. Um, and everybody's just like kind of playing with the music. And it's like, um, I love struck Romeo, that song. Uh, the ballerina that Mark creeps on a little bit is uh, Rex Manning's stepdaughter in real life. Max Caulfield's stepdaughter in real life. Huh. Yeah. So that was really fun. Uh, we have already... Uh, we've already talked about Corey just, like, fucking throwing herself at Rex Manning. We don't really need to get into it. It's really awkward. It's all just awkward. It's all awkward. What I do want to talk about is Corey. Joe. Joe. I, wa- I want to bring Rex's lunch. Burko's <laughs> bringing it. I'm bringing Rex's lunch. And, and then she goes, like, I'm bringing his lunch. He's like, okay. Okay, fine. Yeah, okay. 
fine. Yeah. Fine. She she fine. went like crazy fangirl there. <laughs> and and I love Joe's like I don't need to fight this battle. This battle can be fought without me. <laughs> I, I have other shit going on. I just love it. You delegate, delegate, delegate. I love yeah. it so much. Uh I I want to mention very quickly AJ's love confession. Cause I think it's hilarious when he's like, you know that skirt? <laughs> the skirt that I hate. And and Corey's breaking down, right? She's having, as you alluded to, her moment. She's like, please just leave me alone. I don't want to talk about this right now. Like, boundaries, boundaries. And AJ's like, no, but... And he needs to get it off his chest. And he's like, no, but, uh, you know, that skirt. I hate that skirt. She's like, you hate that skirt? The blue skirt? She's so upset. She's like, "The bl- you hate that skirt? And that's very relatable to me. I, I was going to flash forward to after it, the, the girlfriend scene where she's having lunch with Regina She's, like, just sharing how upset she is. And then they have their fallout, which a yes. lot of, like, hurtful things are said. A lot of hurtful things are said. Uh, Gina, there's a cut scene that, where Gina and Corey um, give, or Gina gives the bra. And there's they exchange bras. Because um, no, I'm assuming because yeah. it's because of the Rex mint. And she's like, here, I have a red one. This yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it was like something like that. Yeah, so it, and you see in the beginning, I, I think in maybe in this version, but in the beginning, you can see the red straps on Gina and then she's not wearing a bra. And then um, Corey and then she leaves it with Eddie. Um, but yeah, so that was that was a gift. And that fight is so fucking mean. She's like, oh, me, the turbo slut. Who just has to sleep with everybody. And then uh, Liv. Liv is so beautiful. She's like, she's got her nose, you know, purposely. She's just like, well, you certainly seem to enjoy it. She's like, you bitch. I just, I know myself personally. And I don't know if I could come back from like her. Because then it's like, in the back of my head, I would be thinking, how long have you been sitting on that information and thinking that of me as your friend? Um, Because they do make a... But Gina puts it right back. I love that she Gina wasn't going to... I don't like the slut-shaming. Don't get me wrong. I don't like any of that. Um, Again, context, it was 95. So, like, you know, not that it was ever... It's ever okay to slut-shame, but that is the context of, like, you know, even even today, there's a bunch of stuff for She-Hulk, and people keep saying, like, oh, I love... I, I love the walk of shame, but I love Amber, who, like changes the dialogue now she's like don't call it a walk of shame call it the stride with pride like i you have to change that narrative but it's it's gonna take a lot of people and a lot more time to do that yes and and also gina says like well what did you do Corey? did you go in there and you act all perfect and better than everybody you think boys like that and so it, it was just it was just mean it was mean they were both and, tapping each other's insecurities yeah it was. it's like psychological girl warfare Exactly. And then and then Gina takes it too far too far and fucks him in the count out room. And that that was just like beyond. And you know she felt bad. Like you know in the moment she did it to prove a point, but you know she felt bad because she looked so like when she was leaving the room, she was like, I don't feel good about myself. No. Yeah. And she shouldn't because everybody was there. Like that's like the worst fucking way to be exposed. And Deb's like Funny you should put it like that, Eddie. We know, we know, we know. And of course, of course, Corey goes to like open the door. Like it's just, it's just all bad. But, um, you know, Rex Manning, what? No applause? Like, fuck you, dude. I'm glad that AJ punched him. I'm sad that uh, Rex Manning sucker punched AJ. That sucks. Um, it's, uh, 
my my note here says that it's windy, so I knew it was going to be somewhere up in like uh like uh, <laughs> Delaware uh, or New Jersey because those are like the windiest places. I swear to God. Um, but in the background of one of these scenes where um uh, AJ and Corey are talking, it's so fucking windy outside, and I was just like ah. <laughs> but we are up to the scene where Corey and Gina have their big like, fight. I mean, bigger, bigger than the, in front of the pizza place. This is the big fight where Gina's like, um, well, you think I don't know? You think I don't know what these are? What are these? And then she starts just like pelting her on the floor with all of this. I'm saying speed. That's what they say in the movie with speed. And it's just like, oh my God. And <laughs> my favorite part of this though, it's all very hurtful, but my favorite part of this is when Corey is like on the ground, like hunched over. And Joe starts rubbing her back and Joe's like, it's going to be fine. And Corey like roars up. She's like, it's not going to be fine. Joe's just like, fuck hell with these fucking kids. Fucking God. It's well, so I mean, and that's part of like that. I, I have to assume is part of, you know, like seeing the extreme swings, with, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, oh, now now we know this girl's on speed, which you kind of pick up on like seeing it the second time around again. You know, she's like, oh, I made the brownies and oh, I did this. And oh, well, you know what? We all have 24 hours in the day and mm -hmm. this is how I'm using my 20. No, we don't have the same. That's the other thing. It's like when people say like what I realize I have the same amount, 24 hours in a day as Beyonce. I was like, hmm, little different there, though. Little yeah. different. Let's let's recognize that. Yeah, just a bit. Just a little, little different there. Uh, I do. I just that scene is like hard to watch, but it's also like. It's good drama, right? Because if you, because yeah. the more that you watch this movie, you can watch everybody's faces in the background. Everybody's mm. faces in the background are like, it's just, it's, it's just very good. It's just very good. Uh, we have Deb's funeral, right? Deb's funeral. We have talked about it. Everybody tells their secrets. Um, it's, it's very powerful and it is, everybody kind of exposes themselves. Deb tells why she tries to unalive herself. She was tired of feeling invisible. Um, she just wanted to be seen. And um, my favorite part about that, though, is Mark up at the up at the register fucking struggling with all the people. <laughs> He's totally alone. There's money and like the records are going everywhere. And he gets the on the loudspeaker. And so he's good. just like, he's like, help me, help me. <laughs> it's so funny. It's it's a lot. It's a, it's a very nice kind of um, like comedic relief to this like surprisingly dramatic moment that is happening here. Uh, it's it's just so good. And then, of course, we have a white boy come and try to shoot up the store. Of course we do. Of course we do. He did use blanks. Bless. And he is a juvenile. Bless. Uh, but all of that to say that he just really wanted to work there. Um, and they make him, they make him like an ID and stuff, you know, God bless Warren. But he does say like, stop calling me Warren. My name isn't fucking Warren. And then everybody else is like, his name isn't Warren. His name isn't Warren. I thought his name was Warren. He said his name was Warren. It's just very funny. <laughs> I just love it. I think it's funny. I thought if they were just like leaning into it. Okay. You want us, you want us to call you Warren? We're going to yeah, call you Warren. Call you Warren. Uh, but I, I love it so much. And then everybody comes together and starts giving money and they get like $3,000 between all of them. And like Deb sold her, or sold her Vespa. It's just, I love this found family. I always wanted to work in a cool place with a found family vibe. I've never gotten that. Maybe one day, but not anytime soon. Uh, Mark, though, one of my favorites, just goes, is like, I have an idea. I have an idea. I have an idea. And he runs out in front of the store where the police and the news cameras are. And he says, they're going to have a big fucking party. Damn the man, save the empire. And this is the last, like, 
20 minutes of the of the movie and it's just one huge party and it's amazing it's amazing 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 uh something we have talked about how this movie brings up a lot of like topics that were like kind of not talked about in the 90s there is a record conservation table that i just love uh they're like you need to invest in records when you're young a record's life a life it goes around and around it's just such a random fun thing to have uh, I just really enjoyed that. Uh, but Gina lives her dream and sings on the roof of Empire Records. She sings Sugar High with uh, Burko. She's got a great voice, obviously. Her excitement here is like too real for me. I haven't read anything about her talking about doing this. So, like, I wonder how many takes, if it was like one take. She seems like, ner- like, she I- seems nervous, but like, in, in an, an excited way. Yeah, and in like a not acting kind of way right? either. Because uh, I did read that this was the, her first time singing on screen. So like maybe, I don't know, I would just, I would love for her to talk more about this. Like she doesn't, that's cool. Uh, whatever, but Sugar High uh, with Renee Zellweger is not included on the movie soundtrack. And that is because the studio just like didn't want to deal with it. And they thought the track on the movie was too loud. Uh, and it didn't, yeah, there were like rights and stuff. It was a big, it was a big deal. Uh, but obviously they raised the money and, you know, fuck Mitch <laughs> and, uh, AJ's up on the roof, still trying to fix the goddamn sign. Cause he's a, you know, miraculous electrician. Um, and you know, Lucas, Lucas is kind of sitting in the office with his leather jacket. who's matching Joe, you know, after they said, fuck you to Mitch. And he's like, perfect. This is all perfect. Kind of like he planned it all and he all, he meant for it to happen. This is exactly what this I is, meant yeah. to do the oh, whole time. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, no. Uh, but AJ's up on the roof. Corey goes up there. She's very aggressive, right? She pushes him. Uh, and she's like, yeah, you're so stupid. You're so special. And what, you know, um, you're, you're more than, you're more than worthy. You're more than everything, you know, and I didn't realize I was in love with you. It was more than love. It was more than just like a pit in my stomach, like everything else. You know, I really like that. But then AJ, this is what I was going to talking about, um, before aj does like take ownership of himself he's like no 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 i quit i've been working on and off here five years i quit i'm going to art school i'm going to boston you know you're gonna be at harvard no we're moving on we're, we're doing this we're, we're owning ourselves and like getting out of here and i did really love that um and then the sign comes on and they kiss Ugh. i love it so much with the zoom coming out and they're all like dancing and then um and then my note here says like Corey and I are dating. We talked about that. I just I just love it so much. Um, there are end credit scenes. Did you see them? I only saw the one. Well, just, it's just one. It's just oh. one. Um, but it's with Mark and Eddie just stoned out of their mind on the front of the steps of the store talking about Henry Rollins being a pussy and the misfits having three good chords and Primus sucking and a car crash happens right in front of them and they don't even notice it. Uh, I love it so much. I love it so much. Uh, Jess, give me your opinions on this movie, and then I have fun facts. Okay. Um, I remember the first time I watched it, and I was like, okay, cross the movie off the list. I get what I get why you like it. But then after the last you know, two times that I watched it, after that, I'm like, every time I watch it, the more enjoyable it gets. But that is the whole 
the whole thing with cult classics is they're not necessarily going to be great the first time around. They're not supposed to be. That's why they flopped to begin with. Um, but it's, I'm enjoying it more. And I think it's going to be eventually one of those movies that you're like, you know what? I'm just going to pop in. I, I am very many years too late, but I can see why sometimes you could be like, you know what? I just need to pop in Empire Records and make it a thing. It's longer than, for, it's longer than I was expecting. I remember thinking that and even looking at the timing again, it said an hour 47, which to 90 standards and the other movies that we've covered, that's pretty long. Yeah, that is pretty long by 90 standards, uh, which is crazy when you think that they cut out an additional three characters in 40 minutes. Uh, would you recommend this movie? Yeah. Yeah, I would recommend this movie, but I feel like it's very specific. It just seems very niche. I I don't think this movie would vibe with everybody. No, I don't think so either. But it's also another, it's one of those movies where like nobody really talks shit about it ever. It's just one of those, like if you love it, you love it and see like the the value in it. And I read that it's the same vibe as the people that love like my so-called life. And it yeah. really is. It really is. So if you, if you love my so-called life, and totally vibe with this, then obviously you will love this so much. They are so very much in the same vibe. Do Ugh. you have a favorite scene and a favorite character? My favorite character? No, I don't have a favorite character. I love them all individually for different reasons. Do I have a favorite scene? This is a really great question. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think it would just be... Uh, the the montage of the opening because you get like um, like exposition of the store too with like the wavy banisters and the purple carpet going upstairs and and just all of that. Um, yeah, I, I really don't. It's just so incredibly quotable and lovable and like it, this is a warm, comfy, like cozy movie to me. Um, I and I've obviously like I've watched it a million times, but I watched it when I was very young with a group of people that, and it brings me right back to that time. So it's very nostalgic for me, but obviously um, I would wear everything, everything that Liv Tyler is wearing, I would wear right now. Um, are you ready for some fun facts? Always. Angelina Jolie was almost Deb. <gasps> she was too intense and quote, too much. They needed. That's so interesting because you went from like, talk, you know, I guess it's like a Goldilocks situation and it's, you know, Hollywood. Um, but, you know, you have like, oh, she's too intense. And then you have, um, what, Chris, Christine, Chris, what's her name? Who plays Deb now? Robin. Robin. Why did I think Christine? Um, she is too cute. So they're like, they're looking for something that's just right. Mm hmm. Yep. So almost Angelina. Uh, Everybody on the set was like in love with Liv. She was magnetic. This was her first role. Yeah. So, and I could see her being magnetic. I mean, my God, it's Liv Tyler. Uh, Rex was based on Kurt Cobain. Uh, April 8th was, you know, that's, that's his day, but it's about like a, a rock star, like, you know. So, hmm. uh, Ethan, uh, Ethan Embry, who plays Mark and the guy who plays Eddie got arrested. <laughs> during filming uh, for, I, I don't remember their crime, but they were arrested. Uh, Liv was 17 and the studio, the studio demanded the bra scene with the panties. Uh, it was not something the director has come out and said 
multiple times at the time and now that it was not necessary. None of it was necessary. You could have you could have used so much. Oh, like the director is on record saying. Yeah, yeah. Like it's not necessary. This didn't need to happen. Nobody really wanted this, but like it was a teen, you know, movie. They you know push what they could. So, but uh, she was seventeen, so she had to have a chaperone on set at all times. Yeah, which is funny because um, Coyote Shivers, uh, Burko was married to her mother, so he was her stepfather at the time. Hmm. Yes, very interesting. In two thousand eighteen, this was going to go to Broadway, but <gasps> it just never happened. Yeah, so. I don't know how I feel like I would love it, but I feel it would actually work. I don't know. I'm so like, I'm trying to think how it would work because, you know, Broadway is a very specific style. Um, but then I know that Alanis Morissette had her jagged little pill, so I can see some of the rock influence. I could, and you can do it. I could see like a turn. I can visualize it with the turning of the stages and everything and the music. And it's all like in one day. Mm-hmm. So now I'm like, huh. Yeah. It was supposed to be. It didn't happen. Uh, the storefront, because there were some outside exterior shots, are shot at 5 South Front Street in Wilmington, North Carolina. Uh, Rex's music video was only supposed to be uh, 17 seconds, but they had such a good time filming it that they filmed for a full day and handed in a four minute, like 17 like second. Like a full, full music, music video. video. Yeah. They just had so much fun with it uh burko and Corey are based on real people they're all like i read were based off real people and mm-hmm. people that they, they interact even the story of the nine thousand dollars that's based on a yep. true story where one of the tower records employees and i think it's not tower records in hollywood but in phoenix like an actual record store um they they walked out with nine thousand dollars came back the next day no explanation, nothing. Yep. And the 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 record store was notorious for never firing anybody, which is why in this in the movie nobody ever gets fired, or and Gina only gets sent home. And really, I don't even think Gina gets sent home because you know she slept with Rex. I think it's because he, you know, he's like you and Corey need distance from each other right now, which is why Gina gets so upset because once again, Corey's being favored over her. Yeah, it's always about her. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh let me see, let me see. Jane is based on Liz Rosenberg, who is Madonna's assistant. Yes. Uh Rex, his clothing was based on a mix of like Tom Jones and Rod Stewart. Uh, the interior was built uh, practically in a warehouse with 20-foot ceilings. That was a full set that they built in there. So love that. Uh, and going back full fucking circle, and this is the end of all of my fun facts. I'm ending it on a full, full circle. Baby, you are sex. The weird quote that I brought your attention to in the very beginning, that is said by the uh, Regency President's girlfriend at the time i will not be saying her name or his name but yes oh yes yes that is her that is a he girlfriend would. yeah he would he so would. That, that is all of all that is all of that uh so very interesting uh as i said i love this movie i love everything about this movie how often do you watch this i don't watch it very often i don't watch it very often i haven't watched it uh in a few years 
since like since so like I watched it with you and before that I hadn't watched it in a few years. It's just um because this is interesting because I have not had cable like uh-huh. cable in years, years and years and years. And this was on a lot okay. um on cable. So like in college and stuff uh, when I was studying, like in my like you know junior senior year, this would be on TV on like TNT and stuff. So it would be like in the background, right. you know. So like I've seen it a lot of different ways. But I have to recommend um, if you watch this movie on streaming and you like it, I recommend going out and seeking out the extended version and the director's version so you can watch both and with all three of them get a very good idea of what this movie is because it is very special. I love that. Thank you for sharing this with me. Yay. I probably would have. That's like a lot of the movies that we do. Where we're like, we're sitting down and we're watching this. And mm-hmm. it's they've turned out all. I mean, you've never steered me wrong. So <laughs> I'm never surprised. Um, but thanks for joining us. Feel free to follow us on Instagram, Akafe Podcast. We're also both on TikTok, Akafe Laura and Akafe Jessica. And if you feel so kind, please feel free to leave a five-star review on whatever social listening platforms you listen to us. Thanks again and talk to you all soon. Bye. Thank you. Bye.